War is inevitable. One must destroy in order to create. We are no Jedi. I started hearing whispers of Thrawn's return as heir to the Empire. What happens when we find Thrawn? Power, such as you've never dreamed. I've spent most of my life fighting a war. That's why I'm trying to convince you to help me prevent another one. You and I both know who could help you with this. She's still just as stubborn as ever. I bet your master found you difficult at times. Anakin never got to finish my training. I walked away from him, just like I walked away from Sabine. You never made things easy for me. Master. There's over 150 hours of Star Wars on film. This is a lie I've been telling at the beginning of all of our podcasts because Mothershed, as you know, countless hours. It's it's multiplied here in the last two years. Yeah. This is the Star Wars binge where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and in Denver is the Daniel Mothershed, playwright, comedian, and pop culture enthusiast. That's true. This is the sound of my voice, boss. This is going to be a bookend for all the work that we've done. All right. Every choice you have made has led you to this moment. No pressure. Mine wasn't as sexy, but... (laughs) 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 Well, brother, Star Wars has expanded well beyond binging at this point. It's... It's got so much going on now and splintering in so many directions. What do you do? Uh, what you do is you put a, you put a stamp on it and say, you know what, here's the first era. Sure. I think that this, this is going to be a great end cap for us wrapping up the first era of Star Wars and perhaps launching, uh, you know, sending some signals towards what's in the future. I like that. Yeah. Uh, A hopeful, a hopeful plea. The thing that we have said often as new properties have come out is that there's something about shared pop culture which is fantastic and we don't get to experience it very often in the 2020s. Yeah. But but this is one of those moments. Again, uh, a show is coming up. We're all excited about it. We're all going to watch it together. And we have the opportunity to talk just about how great it could be and get jazzed about it. So the upcoming show is Ahsoka. Um, as many of you know, I have said often, Ahsoka's my favorite Star Wars character, and uh, that's where we're going. So, any footnotes before we jump into this? She's a character that deserves all of the the praise and the accolades and the the sort of fandom that is built around her. I feel like that's also very rare in this era where where something is very hyped up and people are very excited about a character to to to, to finally come to it and think, "Wow, this is." This is every bit everything everyone has said that she is, and I'm I'm both very excited, but have become tentative about the series. Yeah, 
I don't want a uh, 2016 Suicide Squad this where you get so pumped because of the <laughs> promotional stuff and then you see it and go, wait, this is the same thing? Man, I I hate to confess, I'm 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 there with you, and because there has been great material released from the folks creating Star Wars recently, and there have been really huge bombs. Yeah. And for those familiar with our podcast, you will know which ones we think didn't work and which ones we thought did. I'm also when I watch the trailers, they're not quite the first one. It's not popping the way that Andor's trailer did. And so then I kind of set that all aside and I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll cross my fingers and cheer for these guys. Andor is probably the best of the Star Wars things in the last five years, five, six years in my opinion. Yep. I wanted to love Obi-Wan and there were things I loved in Obi-Wan, but I didn't love the series on the whole. I wanted to like the book of Boba Fett. I didn't like any of it. I'm with you. I think uh, for me, Andor is a top five Star Wars property for me. Love the hell out of Tales of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The first two seasons, but especially the first season of Mandalorian, all just really tops for me. And then, and I love that first episode of Kenobi. And everything else, is, it kind of, I, I didn't think quite worked. But so that's where we're at with this with Ahsoka. Yeah, it's like there's no middle ground on <laughs> on these. Yeah. As is, I think, my way. I'm going to drag Mother Shed along the positive road. It's like, no, it's going to be amazing. Let's, <laughs> let's, let's get jazzed. Oh, no, I'm, I, I don't feel drug at all. I'm happy to. There, there are things, as, I've, as I was watching a few of the episodes we talked about that would be helpful for this conversation, and as I've just thought about it in general, there are things I would really like to see and that I am really excited about. So I, I'm, I'm happy to, to positively posit where we want this to go. I'll tell you what it has going for it is actually when it's set. Uh, to jump past the characters for two seconds, this is post-Return of the Jedi Star Wars, and it's in that space. Prior to sequels, that that little time slot has been very enjoyable and has just so much kind of going for it. The post-Empire, you know, what happens when the strongman is beheaded and you know everything is the wild wild west again and just love the hell out of that and especially with characters that we already love and cherish i am with you there the few i haven't watched a ton of rebels i watched some in in prep for this and that was one of the things i thought in the episodes i watched was how fun it felt how how mm-hmm. it felt a little more like the original films in the sense of like oh the bad guys are really bad <laughs> Uh, right, sort right. of, sort of ridiculously bad, but in a way I one thousand percent buy into. Um, and and the good guys are it. It is truly a ragtag grab bag team. There's some Jedi. There's some pilots. There's some some uh, freedom fighters. Uh, there's some droids. It it really just felt like all these people are thrown together, fighting for what's right, which is which is obviously what the heart of Star Wars is. Um, and I think that's very a very exciting time period to a sandbox to be playing in. Agreed. I'll, I'll say it at least twelve times in this episode. But if you are interested in our binge up to the Ahsoka uh, series, uh, I'm going to put that in the show notes, links in the show notes, and probably the list in the show notes, which is about thirty or so hours of of stuff to to watch in preparation. And uh, 
I have found just revisiting it recently in anticipation for this recording, just how much I, re I really enjoy love and feel the connection to the material. Mm -hmm. I, it's dumb to say like there with the exception of maybe Ted Lasso, I don't think there's any other property that I've cried as much watching as going through rebels again. And, uh, there's so many places that if you if you do get a chance to to do more of a a binge of it, I I don't know what it is, but I'm but but the characters and their beats, the moments, um, there are some brilliant dark moments that just are like for me, it, like really emotionally move me. There were three moments where I was I, I found myself literally saying out loud by myself. No, <laughs> feeling like very emotional. Right. <laughs> um, one other thing, uh, speaking of just set up for this Ahsoka series, the themes that have been built through Star Wars just continue to emerge and there'll be a new spin, it seems to me, on this Ahsoka series. And it's always about family. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it's family that is pulled together. Um, you have Han, Luke, Leia pulled together. They're not family, but they become family real similar to Ahsoka, Kenobi, and Anakin, and very much the case with the the crew um, of the Ghost in Rebels. It's this, it's it looks like a nuclear family, but it's all, you know, everybody's adopted into that family. And, uh, but the dynamics work in that sense as well. And so this will be filled with spoilers, um, but what happens when your dad dies? The, what what happens to your family, and that they have they're they're in a spot where they need to pick that story up, and lo and behold, they're going to be picking that story up after Return of the Jedi, and uh, very female driven too. There's only really there's Zeb who's kind of the Chewbacca kind of character, yeah. but then there's Who, Ezra is really the only male. We saw we saw him for real yeah. in Mandalorian, right? Was that who that yeah. was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they made a they made a real life or a CGI. Yeah, I couldn't tell, but he, he he looked cool as hell. Agreed. In theory, Rex might pop in. Rex may mm. still be out there. They 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 probably need to wrap up Rex's story at some point. Um, but Bo-Katan clearly is out there uh, during that Mandalorian time. Always happy to see more Bo-Katan. Well, let's talk. Let's talk about Ahsoka. Just to what I want to do is kind of walk through her beats. To, as set up for for this show, and I I've said this in the past, just her the beats and plot movement is so attractive to me. How they have constructed this character, where they take her, and where things have ended. One of the reasons I think I'm actually so attracted to this character presently is they still have unresolved issues with her. I I might go out on a limb and say I think the best relationship in all of Star Wars is that between Anakin and Ahsoka. I'm really compelled by it. I'm really pulled into it. I realize I'm probably in a minority here. But this relationship has not been resolved. And it's been a decade, you know, that kind of living in that space. So for me, that 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 space is really enjoyable, powerful, and um, potent. So when thinking about Ahsoka... What, what's your take on this character, big big picture wise? What do you see here? 
to me, she feels like the only person that that I think actually upholds and is a great representation of of what a Jedi ought to be. If you're yep. following the religion the correct way, if you're if you're walking that path correctly, if if you're if you're living a balanced life, she is not isolate one set of feelings and and lean exclusively into another one or or, or any of those things. She she see even when she's young she's while while she's impetuous and while she's kind of kind of um, maybe a little reckless she just still feels so focused on what is right and true and in a way that I don't think any of the other characters are even characters like Obi Wan Kenobi even characters like Yoda the the Clone Wars episode where 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 she gets framed for for committing that crime and is on trial is infuriating for me to I was so angry for that <laughs> those three episodes just like pacing behind my chair at my laptop finishing the episode because it's just no one is doing the things that they say that they're meant to do as members of this stupid religion except for her and ultimately she leaves which which I think is also just a beautiful example of her 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 desire for what is good and true and right that she's willing to leave this thing that is broken um I think she's yep. I think she's a super inspiring character. I'm sorry, Master. But I'm not coming back. This is a primary place that I'm attracted to the character. The <laughs> many of us have had this experience of walking away from the faith we grew up in. And yeah. her her tell the telling of that story through you know, through this fantasy tale it just captures a lot of our experiences in terms of oh there was like I, I invested so much here and underneath it all there was a lot of broken stuff and broken people and systems that didn't work and not sure this is for me I'm going to take off and try and it's, it ends up being a launching point for her in a, in many ways but it's such a yeah it's such a difficult transition for her and it probably you know for, at least for me i re deeply resonate with with all that that looked like and just how when you leave something that's maybe unhealthy and not working the people who are around you are, are unable to cope with that you know just how i mean we know he's a hot-headed yeah. um irrational <laughs> rage monster but but when when anakin's like for these last two episodes, I've basically been not really supportive of you, but then kind of supportive of you, but not to your face. But, uh, hey, now you can come back to the Jedi Order. And she goes, no, nah, I'm good, thanks. And he's yeah. so, I don't understand. It's like, dude, dude, you are the least self-aware person here, and that's saying something. I suppose to to jump to that, that I loved most in, uh, was it To Catch a Jedi, that, that arc, end up being it's not just ahsoka wrestling it is anakin wrestling and underneath all of that is anakin the rage monster is there clearly 
and I'm here for it. I want to see more Rage Monster, <laughs> to be honest. And part of the part of the downfall, obviously, of of Anakin is he's not able to be honest in exactly the ways that you're kind of saying. Like he's he's trying to make this balance that just isn't ever gonna be there, and it's really unhealthy for that for that man. Did you notice in in rewatching this, by the way, that just connected to those episodes? Uh, Palpatine has a moment where he outs himself as a Sith. Where, where they're talking about something and, and, and he says some version of, no, it is absolutely this. Oh, it's it, good. It's such a hit on, on and immediately I yeah. thought of only a Sith deals in absolutes and what he is saying yeah. is so, it is absolutely this, there's no way it is that, it must be this and this therefore is why we're going forward and I thought, ooh, ooh, that's a... And that was in front of like everybody and nobody's picking up on it. Yeah, yeah, there were Jedi yeah. in the room. <laughs> I just I thought it was so I I thought that was just so cool and of course it's that's Tim Curry cool. in in that episode as Palpatine. But. Yes, that is that's really clever. Thing my my entry point for Ahsoka has routinely been she is Robin to Anakin's Batman, and that you know both both adopted, mm-hmm. um, both you know have these heightened skill sets by which they're they're trying to bring justice, but. Batman at Batman's best, in my opinion, is a very disturbed human being, and I want to see more of that. And I want to see him kicking people in the face and feeling bad about it afterwards. That this probably isn't the Jedi way. This isn't the <laughs> this isn't the DC. This Superman wouldn't have done this. But the swift kick in the face with the boot of justice is my favorite Batman. You know. Oh yeah, same. Um, and Anakin's got some of that, but the Robin side with the. Uh, Ahsoka of growing up alongside that person, learning from that person, ends up being, in my mind, this is a great way to understand what Ahsoka becomes because just like Dick Grayson's Robin becomes Nightwing and he transitions to becoming the uncle of that whole crew. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what happens with Ahsoka is she becomes, you know, auntie, you know, for. And, and takes up the, just a further. To further that, takes up the the hero's mantle when the hero is no longer able to continue to do yep. it, whether it's Batman has died or, or any of the 5,000 different things that have happened in the Batman stories, but assumes the, the, the mantle of that family and the yep. not only the mantle, but the symbol of what Batman stood for. Love that. And that also feels very much like Anakin yeah. Anakin dies, you know, I mean it to, to to use to use Darth Vader's terminology. Anakin Skywalker died and therefore the yep. things that he fought for and believed no longer exist except the ones that are true and good and at best exist because they exist in Ahsoka. And you yep. know in a way that in the same way that she's able to purify the the crystals for her lightsaber, it feels like she too is able to take the the proper idealism that Anakin had that was tainted and she's able to almost purify that as well. It's a great metaphor. I hadn't thought about that. That's a great metaphor for what's going on there. Um, there, I mean, that's another, it's another Batman image. It's a reverse one of uh, Harvey Dent of him oh. making Harvey Dent all pristine while taking all that. But I, that's, I, 
powerful. Uh, a second kind of character that I've mentioned a handful of times, I think she just reminds me so much of Arya Stark that I, I want to see the, you know, the female Jedi assassin. Give me that character. Mm-hmm. Just love the hell out of mm-hmm. that character. Um, and if you pair Arya with Jon Snow, kind of there's there is that kind of we're we're not brother and sister, but we are. And there's real love there, even at a distance. Oh yeah, totally. Um, well, I mean, last character, John Snow and Arya are adopted brother and sister, and that's exactly how we began this conversation by talking about yep. that crew, particularly in the the series Rebels. So I think that's perfect. Yep. I suppose just as John Snow gives a, a what is it needle to yeah. Arya, there's a, there's the the gift of the sword and. That that sort of relationship, it's just all over them. Uh, the last kind of character, and it's it's seen in the very very last image of Rebels, is that uh, Ahsoka is really Gandalf, and Dave Filoni is getting a chance to tell Gandalf's origin story in some ways. So they're both, in essence, they're both wizards, and in essence, they have a siblingship with a very dark person. Who oh they yeah, to redeem, and the the image that they are out to, the you know to she transitions again into that ant role, and it's I, Gandalf has this kind of going on. He's not necessarily the father; he's more the distant you know mover of men into positions where evil is confronted. And I, I will not be surprised if you know if we don't see more of that. But uh, that's Ahsoka's role in in part with the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, you know, just getting the people in the right place at the right time. And yeah, it feels very much like Gandalf in the Fellowship. Yeah, he is he is Uncle Gandalf, and he's moving all the pieces onto the board. That's it. Love that as a window. Uh, the last, the, I suppose, the last. This is more of a metaphor and not a character, but we've mentioned this in the past that Star Wars is about Anakin Skywalker and the best set of glasses into Anakin Skywalker is not through Luke. Luke doesn't know his father. Right. It's not through Padme. There's there's a very strange relationship there that's even abusive. Uh, I, I mean, even abusive. It's very it abusive. Exclusively <laughs> abusive. Actually, all of it. Their meeting, the, the everything about it is a little inappropriate. The best set of glasses into the heart of Anakin Skywalker is through this character, is through Ahsoka. She is the best lens into Anakin, which means she's the best set of glasses for seeing all of Star Wars in my mind. And we'll see how this all wraps up. Yeah, I think this she's the best set of glasses for viewing this era of Star Wars stories. Yeah. Because I think if you're going to go post-Jedi, Star Wars has to become about something other than the Skywalker family. Apparently, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I get, and, excuse me, it should also be done well. Did I not mention that? <laughs> My, I know I've said it a handful of times. Uh, my, my favorite time period is going to be this Mandalorian period. I'm really cheering for it. It's, it's again, what does post Saddam Iraq look like? Bad. You know, it looks bad. Yeah, but and then throw throw space wizards into that, and you're trying to create some stability. And I'm all for that. So, but I, we'll see how this. I I get the sense that Dave Filoni is content to just as Rebels is going to kind of hurdle over the original trilogy here. It's very likely, you know, I think the Dave Filoni side of this is going to hurdle over the sequel trilogy at, at some point if uh 
Grogu is going to be, you know, have a few hundred years here to do the Grogu thing. Oh, yeah. He's just a young man Probably. of 50 right now. <laughs> it's a good, got lots of potential here for the next coming centuries of Star Wars tales after, uh, after this one, but you got to set all that in motion. Um, I want to talk about Jedis. You, you brought it up as these images of Jedis. There's Ahsoka the Jedi, and then there's Anakin the Jedi, or Kenobi the Jedi, or Yoda the Jedi. And I think you're right in terms of saying, when thinking about Jedis, she actually embodies the ideal perhaps better than anybody. I mean, I spoke Luke as an ideal character, perhaps, or Kanan, if you get into Kanan's story, he might be an ideal, but what do you think? You know how you know how sometimes people talk about people who have actual faith and actual religion. Yeah, as, that's a good way. And and, and you can te- you can tell that there are some people that are in a religion because they don't have anywhere else to go, and this is truly the thing that is in their life that gives it meaning and i'm you know this this by no means are is a value judgment or assessment of people who do that but just saying it, it just in the way that um she is in the faith because she has nowhere else to turn and it it, it did save her life whereas you know a lot of us grew up with people that were in faiths where they just kind of were because they were like they just fell yeah. into it and it's i guess i'll be here and i don't I could not live this life and nothing would change and I wouldn't be affected. I would just be in a different place. And that's how so many, not Luke, but um, that's how so many of the Jedi Council feel where it's, where it's right. Yeah. You're in the Jedi Council because where else would you be? And it doesn't really matter. You're fine. You're, you're, you know, upper middle class, whatever it is like you, you were going to be fine no matter what you've just kind of decided you were going to be here. Whereas a character like Ahsoka truly needs it and wants it right there's a huge difference between we're in the military and we follow orders no matter what this is what we do as a motive yeah you know Um, yeah but then there's or it's like a it also feels like a way to get power without wanting power because you're a jedi and you do not want power of course but also we're all wearing these like military (laughs) cuffs and making very big decisions but we don't want power but also let's make some very big and important decisions and we're all we're all calling each other general did anybody notice that right yeah but we don't get involved (laughs) good observation general (laughs) Not, not wrong her transition, I mean, if we, as we walk through the beats, she's growing up in the faith. She's growing up in the system. She's got a clear goal. You know, you're going to go through the Jedi trials. You're going to become a Jedi master. And then, yeah, I mean, there's some ambition there. But walking away, there, her motive's going to deeply shift. And we'll need to talk through that um, because by the time that this series is rolling you know why is she fighting what is what is it all about and i bet you there's going to be some some clean answers there we're talking about and i wonder how much of it will be i'm sure whatever they'll come up with is better than what i'm what i'm proposing here but um i always love the stories when people think that they can leave and and what's happening isn't going to affect them when when somebody who clearly is meant to be a hero decides mm-hmm. you know what this everything is just too hard and and you know you see it with luke obviously and there's characters throughout 
Star Wars and all of all, all of the stories that we let. It's it's Tony Stark going and building himself a, a, a cabin with his family and saying, I don't care how bad things get. I'm not going to be part of this. Yeah. Suddenly having to realize I have to be part of this because because the fight against this bad thing is so important to run away from it is wrong and unfair. Right. Pulling people back into service. Yeah. And I, and I like just, those kinds of stories. Just restarted the what uh, Star Trek, the new Star Trek. Uh, oh, Strange New Worlds? New Worlds. And uh, that's how it starts. That's how they get Captain pulling, Pike. Pulling Pike back into the, uh, and I into the fight. I love that show so much it's it's really quality yeah it's it's great to see star trek done with some budget and yeah and just really compelling characters and and this i was telling someone the other day i was saying this particular series of star trek um i've loved a lot of the paramount star trek shows picard is fascinating mm -hmm. and brilliant mm -hmm. and but but particularly strange new worlds i feel a lot of the joy and excitement that i that i've felt with star wars and other science fiction things in strange new worlds because it's so fun and it's an adventure and the characters are all so unique and different but it's also about something important yeah uh, and it's it's all handled so well so it's just been a joy to watch that series this is actually i, I thought picard was was fine. It felt like a lot of fan service oh, to me. Particularly which the is third fine. season. <laughs> right. The thing that Strange New Worlds is doing that applies to Star Wars is they're bringing in the elements that you're used to. So like Spock and the Enterprise end up being just these grounding presences that allow you to have all these new characters that you begin to care for because they're on that ship and they care about Spock. Yep. Those two things I think just set and it seems to me Star Wars post original trilogy that's where you build that's why I was all in when I saw Grogu because mm. like when in uh, in the first episode of the Mandalorian because it's like oh I know this person and I yeah. care about this person yeah and it's going to give energy to everything else. They continue to do that just to, in, in Strange New Worlds there's uh -huh. I don't know how far but well it, you you would have seen Ahura is in the show. Right. right. And and it's they they have handled nostalgia so well in in Strange New Worlds. So it's it's he's Spock, she's Ahura, they're on the Enterprise, and there will continue right. to be more characters. Well, I mean all of them. Um Dr. Umbanga, he's in some of the original stuff. Mm -hmm. Nurse Chapel, she's in the original stuff. But they've right. just they've just managed to do them all so well that it's reminiscent of what we know. But it's allowed to be something new and tell a new story, and and I just as I've watched it, yep. I've thought, I want the Star Wars people should be looking at this because right. they're doing it real well. They they certainly certainly are. Uh, Ahura is a great example of this. That she's young. She's clearly yeah. young in this show, and they're allowing her to grow over time, and that's it's just tasty. Yeah, Tastefully to become done. the people. They do with everybody. Kirk is in it. You'll see. You'll see yeah. Kirk. Then that's not a spoiler. He's all over the promotional stuff for it but sure it's not the james t kirk we meet in star trek the original series it is a it is a significantly younger captain yep. kirk who we meet through his brother sam so it's 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 just done so brilliantly sam and his mustache and his yeah that, that's a choice <laughs> <laughs> all right so a couple questions and then uh we're gonna jump into well actually let's let's just jump into the ahsoka timeline 
and I, what I selected was here are ten moments in Ahsoka's life that kind of build from yes us up to where we're at. And I would love to just talk shop through them. Um, the first ends up being in the very first property that they released when they released the Clone Wars movie. We see Ahsoka being introduced to Anakin, and she says, "I'm your new Padawan." And this is a surprise because it appeared that Anakin was going to graduate, as it were, and that uh, Kenobi was going to take on a new Padawan. And Yoda sends Ahsoka to Anakin, hoping. I, th- I think there's probably a. You learn as a student, but you can also learn as a teacher. You got you got thoughts on on this as an introduction, and anything meaningful coming out of uh, out of this uh, introduction? Every, sometimes you meet people where you, where where whether you know it or it's an unspoken thing where you, you where you think, oh, this is a friendship or this is a partnership or this is whatever that's going to change the course of my entire life for better for worse yeah. or whatever. Like that is that is one of those moments where it's it's you know. This is gonna okay. This is gonna set everything up. One of the things that Filoni did coming to Lucas was that he he pitched Ahsoka, and Lucas said he had never thought about Anakin having a Padawan. And the thing that really appealed to Lucas was that Lucas, by this point in time, had daughters, mm. and and then it popped for him. The thing from the earliest kind of shows. The Anakin character relates to his Padawan in a way that none of the other Jedi relate to their Padawan. Flippant disrespect. Yes, right? It is, here's my Padawan, my official right hand. Here's number one. Yeah. But Anakin is passionate about his student, both for good and bad. I mean, on the demeaning, you know, side of things but also when she's in peril he is it's like he is all in for her welfare yeah i suppose that comes up in this the second moment was uh, a, a set of episodes you and i went through which is the geonosis arc when she gets essentially buried under a mountain and they're unclear whether or not they're gonna be able to dig her out of the rubble those moments of how much like how do you feel about your student come out and it's juxtaposed with I've, uh, I've forgotten the name of the Jedi that's there but they both have padwans that are buried yeah. under the earth and and the other Jedi is just like you know what life is life death is death we need to be <laughs> content with how how the fourth chooses to be be right. and Anakin's like I'm going to move everything with my mind. Yeah. What, me, and meanwhile, the one who's actually doing anything productive and the person who is going to figure out the problem is Ahsoka. Yeah. That's it. Because again, you know, there's there's two ways uh, a Jedi, Sith, whatever can go with that. One of them is life is life and death is death. The other one is like, I'm going to freak out and, and yep. just lose my mind. And then there is, I'm going to get out of here. Like Ahsoka doesn't really need it. the the thing the thing to me in several of these arcs, with maybe the exception of one of the arcs that we've talked about, and I, and I know it's on this list, but I don't know that Ahsoka needs Anakin to save her. There's there's so many of these moments yeah. where where he's the the quintessential young man trope of well, you need me to save you, and that is why I am here. And meanwhile, she's already halfway out of the handcuffs. Oh, yeah. you're here. You know, uh, with the exception of maybe the the arc where she gets enslaved, and even then, for the most part, I don't believe she yeah. needs his help. No, she's in control. Yeah, sure. and it's so, 
it's kind of it's kind of great to see. I don't know if they've done it on purpose, but but it it does feel deliciously subversive of of how often she saves him. Yeah, agreed. There is that. I mean, that happens on the Robin side for at, at times as mm-hmm. well. Like the, giving power to the number two is always it's that needs to happen for exactly the reasons that you're saying. Like it just makes things better. The, there is one scene. So you'll be familiar with the end of Mandalorian season one, where the explosion comes at everyone and Grogu holds back the fire. Yeah. Um, this parallels something Filoni had already done with the death of Kanan, um, holding back the fire to allow the family to escape. Of all things, there's a scene early in Clone Wars. We didn't, cover it in the binge but that that happens where Anakin is the one holding back the fire and essentially put he force pushes everybody out of the way and takes the blow this is a very this is one of the few times where it's Anakin is is sacrificing himself as it were for everyone else he gets very hurt in this episode and just as a building moment it seems those are the sorts of beats that when you're doing long form storytelling like they did with through the Clone Wars, that ended up just being, I recall being just a really powerful moment of, oh, here's the depth of the relationship. It's like, I'm willing to go here for you. And it's and as you were kind of saying earlier, it's like this affects our relationship indefinitely, you know. Um it is it's similar, I suppose, in kind to Han saves Chewie or, you know, or or Han saves Luke and now there's the life debt kind of yeah. imagery in the way in the way all the stories that we love are you know uh, Bilbo meets for uh, Gandalf you know what I mean just mm-hmm. any of these things where where it's you know there's that one moment you meet and then you almost sort of zoom forward in history to think oh these things are going to happen and then you zoom back into that moment yeah well, it's a dangerous thing stepping out your front door <laughs> yeah it <laughs> is on the path don't yeah, know where it it's gonna take you which is why I haven't left my home in days. <laughs> you brought up Ahsoka being enslaved. There, there's the was it the Zygerian arc. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that's so important there ended up being, and I love the hell out of that. We did that with Katie um, in in our binge list. Uh, the was it's not just that they're showing enslavement, but that Anakin's the only one who's not enslaved. Both Kenobi. And Ahsoka are enslaved. Yeah, and and the empathy of having experience is all over that, and that that I think ends up being important. There's lots of why is it Anakin so mad? It's well, he grew up as a enslaved kid. His mother was killed, and they have that experience and that window into Anakin's heart. I think that ends up likewise being another one of those moments. Just builds the love, builds the connection, builds what we're going to see with those two characters moving through. And also is just a brilliant real-life reminder of when you have traumatic things that happen to you, seek help about them, and also communicate with the people who love you. Because he doesn't do any of that, so suddenly in those right. episodes he's being really pushy and aggressive with people where it's, you don't know anything about what this is like. Well, oh, okay, and then later, oh, by the way, did you know that his family was enslaved? No, I did not right. know that, and I'm one of the people closest <laughs> to him. Right, yeah. Right. The, his bad. <laughs> like, <you're... laughs> that's, that's on now. <laughs> 
maybe you let everyone you go into battle with if you know like hey this is a potentially triggering situation for me based off of some seriously traumatic things from my past uh but i'm in charge let's go i'll be fine we didn't get to it but it's commonly a fan favorite is often called the mortis arc and uh it's in our binge list it's in this the part two and the mortis arc has it it unveils kind of the theology as it were of star wars and they go to this planet where it's essentially a very force-rich planet and meet characters there that are the light and dark side of the force and long story short do we not talk about three, that because uh, i watched uh, that oh did you watch some more sorry yeah the one in ahsoka dies yeah. in it okay um it may be the case that we we did not cover it in the binge but if you're familiar with yeah. it we can talk about it the um again anakin has the the everyone is shown their future in some very dark ways and it's again one of those places where anakin's willing to sacrifice all of himself for the sake of his student and it's just more of that rolling can these two are connected in a much depthier way than I, than again we've said this but much depthier way than he is with Padme. That episode, that those episodes are hardcore. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh man, they're gorgeous. I, I got really into it. I watched, I watched them all, just bombed them all in one sitting, and then did it again. <laughs> like, yep. Um, long form storytelling. They they are doing these drip drip drips of Ahsoka growing up, and that took patience for those show creators especially given as much crap as she was given you know when they had the theatrical release and they they were just consistent kept you know doing it but when ahsoka begins to actually do things on her own there's one scene where she she has essentially an adventure by herself and she has a uh, conversation with anakin in which after it's all said and done she says when i was alone all i had were your lessons and your training. I am so sorry. For what? For letting you go, for letting you get taken. It was my fault. No, Master, it wasn't your fault. I should have paid more attention. I should have tried harder. I. You already did everything you could, everything you had to do. When I was out there, alone, all I had was your training and the lessons you taught me. And because of you, I did survive. And not only that, I was able to lead others to survive as well. I don't know what to say. I do. Thank you, Master. Like that sort of acknowledgement, that sort of, um, I've, I have graduated in some sense. All that, again, quite powerful. And I feel like it speaks to what, what I said or we said at the top of the podcast, too, where it's what's the difference between Ahsoka and what's the difference between some of these other characters and even some of these other Jedi, where mm -hmm. in their worst moments, they start freaking out and they don't know what they're going to do and they're they're throwing things around or they're punching walls or they're doing whatever. And, and with, with her, it's because it is, she has nowhere to turn but these things and that's what got her through. Yeah. It's Sirius Black in Azkaban saying, the only thing I had was the knowledge that I was innocent and that couldn't be taken away from me because it's not exactly a happy thought. It's just true. And I think that's like, that's when you know a character is like, that's that's the character that has that truly has something to cling to because they need it. Yeah. 
they get to that spot in, you know, seasons one through four of the Clone Wars is getting Ahsoka to that spot where she can stand on her own and say, all I had was your teachings and your lessons. And then they drop the bomb. And the, the bomb ends up being the explosion in the Jedi Temple. She's blamed for it. Everything's kind of in an uproar. You know, uh, the seat of power has been attacked and there's lots of confusion. Again, Star Wars fantasy as it is. What do you do? Her through line ends up being wonderful in that she has to deconstruct. And deconstructing with a religious faith is often very powerful, upsetting. And again, I think they just do it beautifully with her walking away and that closing that season. That, uh, that series of episodes, the, those three episodes, I mean, like I said, I was so angry. <laughs> I was just mm-hmm. so angry. Um, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with, I am not a lawyer. I have not studied the law. I have not done anything. I've watched all of the good fight <laughs> and love it. But I just, I just kept thinking to myself, so much of this evidence is like circumstantial at best and not like, it was like, well, we've, we captured you in possession of explosives. She didn't have pockets full of explosives. Like she fell through the ceiling into a room where there were bombs. It's like, at what point do you go in there and think, boy, that's interesting. There's a hole in the ceiling and she is laying on the ground and there's debris all over the place. Oh, there's weapons here. Well, I guess these must belong to her. It's like, what? You ding dongs? No. Like I was just... It's, well, it must be her, so what other choice do we have? And Anakin is so cold and withholding when he's talking to her and basically is saying he thinks that she did it to her face, but with everybody else, he's like, well, we have to prove that it wasn't her. I don't know, but we have to prove that it wasn't her. And then later he's like, I knew you were innocent. And it's like, we can check the tapes, bud. Right. You didn't. You are in the room with her being yourself. Of course she's walking away from you. She's walking away. I think I think you're exactly right. One and two is not, you know, Anakin's faith in the Jedi also. He, here's even more reason not to trust them in the future. Clouded by the dark side. These things are Padawantano. Dangerously clouded. But not just surrounding you. Surrounding many things in these times. You've already made your decision, haven't you? This meeting is just a formality. Reached a decision. We have, though not in total agreement, are we? You know. Yeah. The it's all the there is the appearance of civility, of deliberation, of thoughtfulness when it comes to very important matters, and all of it's a show. You know, my favorite. I think one of my favorite images in in all of Star Wars is the trial where she's in the middle and she's looking up at all of the judges above her. It's just so beautifully constructed. Padawan Tondo, serious charges have been levied against you. How plead you? Not guilty, Master. I would never take the lives of innocents. The values of the Jedi are sacred to me. There is evidence to the contrary. You were alone with Letter Termin when she died. Can you explain this? Someone used the Force against her. Which brings us to Ventress. Can you explain your association with her? We had a mutual understanding. I thought she was helping me. Did she help you acquire the nanodroid weaponry found when you were apprehended? The same devices used in the bombing of the temple? No. I was set up. 
and deceived, as you are being deceived now. The question is, Padwantano, who is deceiving us? That judgment just coming down on her, who is the one who actually has pure heart, good intentions, is the highest, as we've said, symbol of what the Jedi could be, and yet she's being condemned by the system. I watched that episode very shortly after I watched there's a there's a trial episode in the second series of Strange New Worlds uh-huh. that similarly is is a a one of the characters that is maybe the 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 most deserving of their position is suddenly on trial. Yeah. Um, so I kind of watched those as not a double feature, but but <laughs> within forty eight yeah. hours of each other, and I was just like, boy, this is super interesting. How how science fiction fantasy seems to be telling us something right. in, in these situations that's maybe worth listening to, but what do I know? I love that. She then has to rediscover who she is and that image that she's going to embrace, that mantle of fulcrum, she embodies being a, a spy, but it becomes, you know, that this network and an anti-imperial network eventually well, what, ends up and, being really powerful. In in that chunk of episodes, what I just love is she runs into Ventress, which just, side note, shout out, I love Ventress, so seeing her again was wonderful. Yep. And they're fighting, and there's almost that moment where she realized it's ridiculous. When she says, we are so similar, like, like mm-hmm. why are we fighting with each other? And then when everybody else, it's like, well, we talked to Ventress, and everybody else reacts as if you know, you just slapped them in the face and it's, even if this person has something that could help us, there's absolutely no way we're going to trust them. And and we're very sort of black and white and we're very divisive and we're very sharks versus jets. And we're like, no, no, no. And Ahsoka is the one going, maybe this would all be better if we found common ground. Yeah. If we realized how similar we are, if we cooperated with each other, if we, if we did any of these things. And again, it's like, right, this is the way the world should work. Finding balance and not dealing in absolutes. Right. right. And and obviously we know the Sith deal in absolute, but please, come on, so do the Jedi. The Jedi just, it's like on one hand, at least the Sith know, you know, there's always one person you know that's like really sucks, but they know it. So you're kind of like, well, he knows. <laughs> Guess I have more respect for that than the other. There's always like one other person you know too that's like really sucks, but it's like. Everybody else is horrid, and I don't understand. Like, I'd rather hang out with a guy who's like, look, I'm a dick. Right. (laughs) Well, in this Siege of Mandalore arc, we've seen that she's moved away. You know, in season seven, throughout the Clone Wars, uh, you know, we see her moving away from the Jedi and finding herself again. And uh, obviously that whole thing culminates with Order 66 with her and Rex teaming up with them burying many of their comrades that they have fought beside and then them faking their death um, and leaving the lightsabers there. And that ending to the whole Clone Wars series, it could not have been told better. It's a great chunk of episodes. Just uh, And obviously we start the binge with that, thinking that's a great... So let's start with the end. But that's her her story is now she's on the run. Vader is clearly a Jedi killer and will, as we see in Rebels, will eventually find that Ahsoka lives. And now 
she is the object of his pursuit. In the same way that Luke is the object of his pursuit later, but he wants to pull her in to become his apprentice. And again, I've, I've said this a handful of times, but her confrontation of Vader it, at the end of Rebel Season 2 is just, again, another high watermark for me in all of Star Wars. And part of what makes it a high watermark is that we have spent so much time with these characters. And Darth Vader is so well known. And but you've never seen this scene. Perhaps I was wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. It was foretold that you would be here. Our long-awaited meeting has come at last. I'm glad I gave you something to look forward to. And the image that he is seeking to draw her in. We need not be adversaries. The Emperor will show you mercy. But she isn't speaking to Darth Vader. She's like the only person in the whole universe who's not speaking to Darth Vader. She is speaking to Anakin, and she has uber confidence. Yeah. You tell me where the remaining Jedi can be found. There are no Jedi. You and your Inquisitors have seen to that. Perhaps this child will confess what you will not. I was beginning to believe I knew who you were behind that mask. But it's impossible. My master could never be as vile as you. <laughs> it's just so rich in that moment. It's not just confidence. It's also love and betrayal and and like and when vader says anakin skywalker was weak i destroyed him she is cut you know nobody else in that universe is cut and then i love her response to that too like it's just such a yeah. then i will avenge his death revenge is not the jedi way I am no Jedi. She's yeah, to him, you know. I mean, it's, to him? it's it's and I feel I don't know. Now that I've seen that, and I think you might have said this, the 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 moment we get feels so much less impactful in the Kenobi series. I know in the moment when I saw it, I was like, this is great. And then when I saw this moment, I was like, okay, well they did this one first, and I actually think they did this one better than how how it ended up going down in Kenobi. I still love that uh uh I still love that lightsaber fight in yeah. in Kenobi but yeah. the moment is is kind of lacks quite a lot if you've seen this rebels episode and I wish I had not done them back to front but that's that's how I feel I that it, part of it is the quality here the quality at the end of rebels season 2 is so high quality Kenobi, you can't keep up. You should have no. told a different story. Yeah. Well, I think her saying, you know, it's very dramatic when, when like, everybody knows that you're Anakin Skywalker, even though you're saying right. you're Darth Vader, to be like, I'm dead. Right. Ooh, okay. But, I mean, yeah. it's it's great in the thing. But, like, if somebody said that to you in real life, it'd be like, Jesus, okay. But um, it is so dramatic, and I think he knows there's so much shock value in that. And he made those choices, but it almost feels like he... I mean, he does. He blames everybody for the fact that he's Darth Vader. It's like, dude, we've got the tapes. But um, 
so to say that is like he's dead and whatever and like this so so I'm gone and don't you feel bad about it and then her saying then I will avenge him is such a is such a beautiful moment because even though he's Darth Vader and he's done such despicable things she's still saying then I'm going to avenge you because the person I knew is worth worth being avenged and remembered which is huge for her and I think just speaks to the yep. everything we've been talking about with her character yep agreed the what builds so in this again masterfully done bringing in James Earl Jones for that whole second season yeah to do the voice and they've set up so much of his dialogue they wrote the Vader dialogue perfectly I thought throughout and he he's you know there's like 20 episodes and he he's only in like six mm -hmm. and it's again you don't show too much of the shark uh, right kind yeah of jaws yeah image there this his backstory i think is better than what he says in jedi when he's like the image anakin skywalker was weak and i destroyed him is so pithy direct and it captures so much of what's going on there well and i think particularly he's saying it to people who that means something to him saying it who gives a yes. shit when he says it to luke like luke's never met anakin yes. luke's never met his dad it doesn't matter I mean, it matters when you see it the first time. Like I said, when you're nine, it's like when he says, yep. I killed Anakin Skywalker, you're like, wow, this guy's bad news bears. And then you realize that that's that he is Anakin Skywalker. When you're nine, it breaks your brain. But yep. it doesn't matter when you don't know the guy. But him saying it to Obi-Wan, whether it works or not, him saying it to Ahsoka, and it's devastating, means something. Yep. I will avenge his death. And then he says, he like pokes at her. Revenge is not the Jedi way. And the, and then it's on, because in my mind, the best line in all of Star Wars is her saying, I'm no Jedi. Oh, yeah. I, I cheered a means, little bit by myself in my house. Like <laughs> the There's so much that has been built for that moment. I, I just always, always get chills. It, it's evocative of, didn't they tell you no man could destroy me? Helmet comes off. I am no man. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just such a badass it? moment in, in both of those properties where you're like, yeah, man. That, I, I didn't think that. Your mistake was to underestimate yep. what these characters are going to bring to the table for you. Entirely right. She has walked away from her faith. She has embraced a new identity. The, the, a person that she dearly loved just said, you know, I've been killed and like the, her, her <laughs> throwing out, I am no Jedi means I'm going to cut your head off. Right. You know, I'm going to F you up. <laughs> and, and it's again, who says that to Darth Vader? Nobody can do that. Like, I don't even know that Kenobi can do that. Kenobi is going to have the proper Britishness kind of interaction that we see in new hope. This is just so much higher quality. So, well, and there's and it's and it's just that familiarity, even though it's been years, and even though the relationship has <laughs> has to put it to to wildly <laughs> underplay it, has lapsed. Yep. <laughs> there's still that lifelong familiarity of of even though you were my master and I was your apprentice, we were still kids and we still grew up together, and I know you in a way nobody else does. Yeah. And I'm not scared of you. No matter how many things I've done in my life that are impressive and that people care about and they come to see and people pay money for it, whatever, like, my brother can still cut me down for him, like, because, you know, that's a relationship that nobody else has with me. So no, no matter how good it is, my brother can still be like, but also, yeah, I'm going to push this button right. and let's see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right.
Love the hell out of it. That that's in essence where they've left off. There's stuff at the end of Rebels season four where Ahsoka returns and they're doing stuff with the world between worlds, which is uh some it's a um image that it looks like they might build on in this show. If you imagine a space that uh ha- it's it's kinda like it's 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 taken from an image in Narnia. But imagine a space that has doors going to all different points in time. And when you enter it, you can go to the, pl- to the moments that are most meaningful to you. It's, that image is, some, is how they end season four of, of Rebels and Ahsoka reemerges. Long story short, as the series ended, Rebels ended, uh, so they, they do a huge jump forward. Like Rebels, the show, builds to this point prior to New Hope where it ends and then it jumps, skips time forward and now we're after Return of the Jedi and we see Lothal, which has been the planet that's so central to that whole show is is Ezra's home world. And we see Lothal freed after Return of the Jedi, but what's actually going to take place is, um, well, the Rebels ends with... Ezra and Thrawn, who apparently will be the a primary villain, if not the primary villain in Ahsoka, um, going off. They're essentially taken into hyperspace together, and we don't know what happens, but they're together. And Rebels ends with that whole family coming together. Kanan has died, and they're going to go find Ezra. And that's how season four ends. Kind of a, a kind of a search for Spock type of a it or type of a thing. Uh, yeah, or it's uh, you know what it actually is is it's the end of Empire. Mm. Han has been kidnapped, and we need to go save him. Mm. And one of the things that happens to Ahsoka is when we see Ahsoka, she has her outfit has changed, and it's a Gandalf image to circle yeah. back to it. She's moved from Gandalf the Gray to Gandalf the White. She is now in this posture of having transformed somehow significantly. And one of the reasons that we know that she's transformed is because in Mandalorian uh, season two, there's an episode when she reemerges that's just called the Jedi. And here, the last thing we heard her say is, I'm no Jedi. But apparently now she's become a Jedi. And so there's something, something needs to happen that we see that bridges that gap. Where, where is she throughout the original trilogy? Um, why is she a Jedi now? Um, I got lots on thoughts on this, but what what are your thoughts, sir? Just that, I, just that I'm really curious because you're right. She does say that to the "I am no Jedi," and then she is back as one in 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 Mandalorian. And I never really thought about that. And again, I just wonder if I wonder if if it is is that thing of. Um, Sometimes you try to leave things that are true and important and you realize that you can't. And I do wonder if it's yep. when everything is gone, and obviously that's bad. You know, the extinction of the Jedi is horrific. Order 66 is horrific. But but if the idea of the Force is the one true thing in the universe, even if you exterminate all the people, truth is going to find a way back. And if it's coming back through her, that feels like the most ideal way for that to happen. We haven't mentioned this, but there's something... So in with religious faith, when religious faith is deconstructed, what ends up happening is you rip all the shit away. But 
yeah. oftentimes you do discover here are some foundational beauties yeah. worth That's building a- around. And a lot of people have that experience of reconstruction, which is part of part of the human experience. I grew up this way. I tore apart all the crap that was there, found the base, and then what 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 is worth building, and that ends up being a for for many kind of what their lives look like moving forward. I think that's yeah. exactly what her story You've stripped is. Stripped everything down to its foundation. Yeah, and then you can make sure the foundation is okay, and then you can rebuild. The uh, I don't know if I said this on this podcast, but I bought a very old building it's over a century old and that's essentially been our the last <laughs> year and a half has been exactly that like all the problems all the things that we found you know um yeah no stripping kidding. S- stripping away only what is going to remain a century from now you know and trying to build things that will endure and last for the next 50 years or whatever that's a that's a great great metaphor it seems to me hell yeah well, that's where we're at, man. After, so we're skipping to after the original trilogy. And I, I started it out, our conversation with saying there's unresolved tension between these characters, between Ahsoka and Anakin. And there's clearly a way now for them to reconnect since it's after the original trilogy. So question for you, how much Force Ghost Anakin do you want to? See, since Anakin is clearly your favorite character. <laughs> uh-huh. um, n- not much. Yeah. I, th- I think one or two well-written, well-acted, meaningful scenes I think is good. But I, just th- but I do think there's so much more story to tell. Yep. That's you ha- you have to I'm do it, but I think do it well and do it sparingly. The thing I don't want to see is what they did with Kenobi. Yes, I agree. Um, they brought in Qui-Gon at the very end as kind of a, hey, you did it. Right, yeah. If it's a, if it's a, the end of Mork and Mindy where Mork checks in with Orson and it's like, hey, yeah. big man in the sky. Like, it's fine in that, but I don't want that in, in this. That's exactly right. I would much rather her be in moments of stress and peril. Sim- I mean, it is similar to what we see in Return of the Jedi when Obi-Wan comes. There needs to be some conversations that get our characters from here to there. Yeah. I think that's a great blueprint for what a scene could be. At a low moment for her, he does show up. Yeah. But if, but if it's just that, I would be okay. Right. And I suppose to build on that, it was similar with Kenobi. Kenobi has been alone for so long and just needs you know kind of somebody it she's she's not alone in that she's going to have these other women in her life but in essence she is alone she's incredibly unique and doesn't have anyone who can see her understand and the one person who I really does know her right? <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Anakin well wrapping it wrapping it up we've accomplished the binge getting from here to there and and potentially to the future of all future Star Wars properties. There and back again. Got the wrong any... thing. Guy, <laughs> uh, okay, final thoughts? <clears throat> On this in general or uh, the uh, upcoming Ahsoka series? I think it's uh, as we transition from, I think everything that's episode one through episode six is kind of 
that's our binge. Yeah. And now we're stepping into what I think, hopefully, is going to be a much better launching point for Star Wars properties in the future. They're going to clearly wrap up Andor, but if they keep going forward, I think this is kind of a jumping off point for the next era. Yeah. This in Mandalorian. I think for all of the flaws and faults and um, things that we we you and i or we the collective star wars fandom have have not enjoyed i still think as a wrap-up of sort of everything before this is still one of the best overall stories that's ever been created and ever been told and it's one of the few that like how long has it been around yeah and and it's it's there, it's it's still important and it's it's been great to kind of go back and refamiliarize with the stuff i knew and see the things that i hadn't and find new ways into things i was convinced that i didn't like right um and just to be reminded that you know we, we i think we tend to kind of look back at things and be like everything in the past was always 100% really really good and man the book of boba fett was disappointing but this is the first time that this has happened and who knows if it'll go forward and then you realize, no, there have been some kind of slumpy times throughout Star Wars in general. There have been those live-action Ewok films. There have been the Christmas special. There's the Earth Day thing. You know, they're <laughs> like, things flow and ebb. You know, not every season of Saturday Night Live is amazing, but it's still there. And sometimes the yeah. shitty stuff reminds you why the when it's good, it's so good. Right. Um, and I think sometimes we forget that you need time to... We, it's happening with Marvel right now. Like, it was not all perfect from jump. Mm-hmm. It slowly moved there. They had an idea. Some of it didn't... Some of it worked better than others, but but it takes time to tell really good stories. And I guess for me, it's nice to be reminded of... It, it seems like it always kind of comes back and is great again. Man, such is life. Kind of yeah, hope seriously. for that. Seriously. We... St- as you're as you're talking, the thing that was washing over me was nostalgia. In that we started our podcast, and just to put a, a endpoint on this, we started our podcast right after kind of COVID had hit, and now we're all inside. And what do you do? And maybe you go to the stories that you love to survive this whole thing, because and these stories are about things getting really really bad, and then. Hopefully, you know, you come out and there's a new day on the other side and we still kind of find ourselves in that that kind of kind of spot. But it's been a the anchor point that Star Wars is perhaps it's that it's, you know, being able to in, engage those tales of of heroism in the midst of of things getting awful. And I think the 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 value and worth of hope. Yeah. Yeah. During the a, a good friend of mine during the pandemic, I I had shared with him that I was frustrated that people people were like, well, just be a little bit more optimistic and a, a little bit a little bit more whatever. And 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 one of the things he said was, I think there's a big difference between optimism and hope because optimism feels very false and feels very fake and something people tell themselves because they can't do whatever. Whereas hope is something that exists where it shouldn't. Mm. Yeah. You can be, you know, optimism is like, well, maybe everything's going to be okay. And hope is yeah. like, I don't think everything's going to be okay, but I still am going to try. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what Star Wars is. I love that about Star Wars. 
Um, particularly during the pandemic, it was, it is a thing where it's like, it feels brave to be hopeful right now. And I personally needed that. Right. I mean, I know everybody else did too, but I only care about myself. So I needed that. (laughs) (laughs) Very Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, they're building on the same thing, uh, that, you know, in Lord of the Rings, it's the elves are fighting the long defeat, you know, they know they're going to die, but they're just like, and just waiting the thing I suppose uh, to put a special pin on it, the it's hope, and then in the midst of those spaces, you're not alone. Oftentimes, you have family that's enduring it with you, yep. and going through those things. So we've taught you and I have gotten a chance to talk about all sorts of things in our lives that mattered. Yeah, deaths of people we loved, jobs lost, etc. But you and I are brothers, and we're family. We're marching through this together, and you've been a treasure in my life um oh man same through the last few years yeah no i i uh, i could say more but uh i a don't have time and b would just weep through it but would. but i very much <laughs> echo those sentiments it feels like it feels disingenuous to say i very much echo those sentiments but i think as you know me you know uh it would be incoherent and blubbery and it would take two hours for me to go into that but i agree 100 percent you're mean um all right, well, that's a good place to end. Um, Hell yeah. At Friends, as with all our podcasts, it's going to survive only if you share it with people who <laughs> love a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. We have a great canon of, of probably 100 hours worth of Star Wars ramblings uh, worth <laughs> diving into if you haven't yet. And uh, you can find our binge list linked in the show notes or on our, it's linked to our Twitter, uh, which is Star Wars Binge. Star Wars binge. You, you can X us or whatever the hell. <laughs> that's right. So there you go. He's Daniel Mothershed. My master could never be as vile as you. <laughs> true. That's true. And I'm Jeff Cook. And uh, I am no Jedi. <laughs> and you want and you want to know why, Daniel? Because this is the way. Because this is the way. All right, you're the man. Love you a bunch.